You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet, and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. We're going to take your questions today, and we can do a whole episode just on Jordan Love questions. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to spend a whole episode just on Jordan Love questions. We have more than that, of course. And so we will dedicate some time also to, to address those questions as well. And so I do want to have some, some guests on to talk about the draft and where the Packers go from here. There is still so much to unpack as we go through the coming days and weeks, even without the Packers having any football to talk about. Although I will say, when preseason finally gets here, assuming that's a thing that happens, it is going to be fascinating to watch Jordan Love, A.J. Dillon, Josiah DeGuara, all these guys get out there and actually play. Because for a long time, we are not going to have that. We're not going to have the normal process where we get to hear from rookie camp, so-and-so player was good, so-and-so player was bad. Now, we may hear stories, oh, Jordan is picking up the offense really fast, and he's doing great in these virtual meetings. However you want to handle those kinds of pieces of information are going to be up to you. Uh, But it is very limited in terms of scope. So just something we have to take with a grain of salt. But it means we're going to have a lot to talk about absent actual NFL football to talk about. So I want to start with this conversation about the clock. I think it's something that is foundational to the discussion around Jordan Love because when we look at the decision to draft Jordan Love with Aaron Rodgers on the roster, it brings up all sorts of timeline questions. And so this question comes from Jennifer from Twitter. She says, hi, Peter. So my question for the podcast is about the surprising draft strategy we saw this weekend. I would say it was aggressive and risky. Could pay off hugely if it works, but if not, so much draft capital was wasted. How long do you think Goody and Matt LaFleur will be given to prove this strategy works? And if the next one to two years go badly, could they be replaced before we know if Jordan Love will work out as our starter? Love the show. And it has been such a welcome bit of normalcy during COVID-19. Thank you, Jennifer. And I hope you are safe and sound as well wherever you are. This question about timeline is fascinating because Matt LaFleur is coming off a 13-3 and season. Brian Gutekunst installs him as head coach. He gets to be the savior in a way with hiring Matt LaFleur after Mike McCarthy 
has the falling out that he did, an ugly situation, getting fired in the middle of the season. No team wants to go through that. No team wants to fire what who is really a legendary coach, a Super Bowl winning coach, a guy whose name is literally on a street in Green Bay. No one wants to have to fire that guy. The Packers had to fire that guy. Brian Gutekunst comes in, and although Mark Murphy was the guy who ultimately made the decision on the hire, Brian Gutekunst was in the room for the hire. Without getting too far into the succession plan part of this and the hierarchy of it and who's in charge of what, coming off a 13-3 and season, you have to expect that Matt LaFleur has built at least another two seasons of equity in this team. So at a certain point, Brian Gutekinds can say, look, I got you the players that you asked for, and you can move on if things go badly. So how badly is too badly? If they go 7-9 and nine in 2020, or 8-8, eight and eight, or even 9-7, and seven, barring huge problems with injury or flukiness, that is an enormous issue for this administration because of who they took in the first round. They could have taken Michael Pittman. They could have taken LaVisca Chenault. They could have taken other players at 30 rather than trading up to get that quarterback. Guys that could have helped the Packers in 2020, they chose not to do that. So the onus is on them to be good again in 2020. They have to be good again. Now, if they're good enough, but not good enough to be a Super Bowl team, I don't think that hurts them. Now, it's not going to make fans happy, and they're going to say, okay, another season of Rodgers wasted. I don't I don't know that I agree necessarily with that. I think they made a decision about the readiness of the receiver class after a certain point and, and who could help this year, especially with an offseason process that is not going to be normal. I think all rookies are going to be behind when it comes to having to play in 2020 and needing to play your rookies in 2020 is going to present a team with bigger problems than it would in other situations. The Packers have, as an administration, at least Goody and LaFleur, have this Jordan Love card to play. So if things don't go well, unless Aaron Rodgers is awesome, and let's be honest, if Aaron Rodgers is awesome, this team's going to win a lot of games. You know, if Aaron Rodgers plays great in 2020 and 2021, they're going to win 11, 12 games. They're going to go to the playoffs and they're going to compete in the NFC. Okay, no problems. If they're not awesome, it will be at least in part because Aaron Rodgers is also not awesome. And we have seen signs of decline the last few years. And there are myriad reasons for that decline. And I think skill players is one of those reasons. But so focusing more on the running game and getting more play action shots and attacking the middle of the field more and getting these big bodied receivers so that you can attack the middle of the field, that is supposed to be giving Aaron Rodgers the weapons that he needs. In two years, if you're not any closer to competing for a Super Bowl and Aaron Rodgers, let's say, just continues to be what he's been 2018, 2019, and they're winning 10, 11 games, but they're not going any further. They're not in danger. Now, you do still have the love card to play. Is there going to be anxiety? Maybe, but it's going to be mostly from fans. I don't think it's going to be internal anxiety. They're going to get the chance to see if Jordan Love can play because if things go wrong, you always have that card to play. 
hey, I know things aren't going great, but we believe in this guy, so let's give him a shot. That's that's their it's it's their get out of jail free card. It extends their their tenure at least a year, if not two, because you need you know one or two years to see if a guy really has the goods. Aaron Rodgers was not Aaron Rodgers in 2008. Most guys aren't Patrick Mahomes in their first year. So uh, the timeline is longer than two years. I mean that's the that's the TLDR of this. You know, it, it would have to go so sideways, so I mean they'd have to go. Three and thirteen, and be at each other's throats in 2020 for Matt Lafleur to not, you know, be the head coach in 2021. I, I, I just don't see it. It's hard to imagine that in two years they don't have either the option to replace Rodgers with with Love, or they've been good enough that they don't have to do that. So that's why, in some ways, this was a smart strategy to say, look, if we take this quarterback, no matter what, we're going to get the chance to see it through. And if if Rodgers is good and the team is good, no reason to worry about the pick, whether it's good or bad. If he's bad, hey, guess what? We already drafted the guy to fix that. All right. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Hello, Peter. What's happening? It's Brad from Mount Pleasant. Gudikins clearly believes love is the QB of the future. If he's right, it's a good pick. Just because the pick wasn't what you expected doesn't mean it's bad. All we can say is trust what these guys know what they are doing. What is the earliest it would be feasible for Love to start? I assume Brad means as a preferred starter. So the earliest it would be feasible is two years from now. It would be still a pretty significant cap hit in two years, but it would also save the Packers a considerable amount of money in two years. So if you're thinking about it from, okay, well, they're allocating, you know, if it's going to be $17 million in dead cap, well, you're only paying Jordan Love a couple million too. So you're allocating normal quarterback resources on the cap and, and at that time probably well under market quarterback resources to the cap if you trade him, if you cut him, those kinds of things. Now, as a starter or just as someone who has to be in the game, I mean, it is rare for more than half of the league to have its starting quarterback play 16 games. There are injuries. We've seen Aaron Rodgers get hurt. And this is going to be the guy who comes in. It's not going to be Brett Hundley. It's not going to be Scott Tolzien. It's going to be a quarterback with actual pedigree, the kind of player Packer fans have been clamoring for for years now, going back to the first Aaron Rodgers' collarbone injury. But certainly after the second, there are going to be opportunities for him to get on the field. Remember, the first time we saw Aaron Rodgers look even remotely like Aaron Rodgers because he had gotten into some games early in his career and looked awful. He got hurt in one game and did not look good early in preseason either uh, early in his career. Then in 2007, he comes out on a Thursday night and comes in for an injured Brett Favre and plays really well. By the way, if they'd needed to trade Rodgers the next offseason, they probably could have gotten a pretty good pick for him. And that is the situation that the Packers find themselves in. If he comes in and, and plays great in the preseason and Rodgers is still playing great, you know, he he refines some magic and for the next two years is awesome, and you need to suddenly make a decision on love and you don't want to, you can deal him and get something in return. Now, I know that's going to feel like a wasted pick. And in the first round for a guy you traded up for, yeah, certainly there's some lost value there. You get a second round pick for him, 
even a mid-second round pick, you're recuperating most of that value back. So when is he going to be the preferred starter? We're talking about two years in a perfect world. It's three years because you want to you want to minimize the cap hit on Rodgers. Plus, you want to give Rodgers you know the maximum amount of time to to still go out and try and win and compete at a high level. You know, if Rodgers is great in three years, yeah, you live with it. You you give Jordan Love his fifth year option. Aaron Rodgers plays the last year of his contract, and everyone moves along with Jordan Love in his fifth year. That would be a great scenario for the Packers because it means Aaron Rodgers is playing well enough to keep going. Now, is there a long track record of guys sitting that long and and still being good quarterbacks? No, usually the good quarterbacks play. Now, the reality is the good quarterbacks don't usually sit behind Aaron Rodgers. You know, Jimmy G didn't play right away. Patrick Mahomes obviously didn't play right away. Phillip Rivers didn't play right away. Aaron Rodgers didn't play right away. Uh, Carson Palmer didn't play right away. The quarterbacks are usually going to teams in the top five. And therefore, they play because they have to play, because their teams are bad. And their quarterbacks are bad, which is why their teams are bad, so they have to play. So yes, it is the case that the best guys play early, but it's also the case that the best guys go to teams with bad quarterbacks on bad teams, and so they have to play early. I don't don't think we can say it's a positive or a negative to sit, but if it is the case that Aaron Rodgers continues to play well and then Jordan Love gets an opportunity— We can think, theoretically, he's now in the best position that he can be to make an impact on the Packers whenever he gets on the field. And if you're looking to make an impact, there's no better way to do it than with the U.S. Army. Whether your goal is to fight and cure diseases, develop technologies, or seek adventure across the globe, the Army is where all of that can happen and so much more. The Army is a team of millions of individuals working together to take on the most complex problems in the nation and the world And to win, ask yourself, what's your warrior? And text ALPL to 462769 to find out. That's ALPL to 462769 to find out. All right, this is a conversation that I think is is being had a lot right now. So I'm going to let this caller explain the take. Hey, Peter, what's happening? This is Greg in Central California. Trying to remain positive about the Jordan Love pick, but everyone keeps trying to compare it to Rodgers during the Favre era. But I feel like when we picked Rodgers, people were actually talking about Rodgers like he was the best quarterback in that draft. You know, somebody people were saying you could have taken Alex Smith one or you could have taken Aaron Rodgers one. And Aaron Rodgers ended up falling to us. So... In hindsight, it looked good, yes. At the time, people might have been scratching their heads. But there were people who thought that that could happen, that he could have been the number one. Nobody was saying Jordan Love could be number one. So I'm still trying to figure out why. Why did we jump to get him? Was Who was going to take him before he got to us? I don't know. I'm, I'm in a lot of pain, Peter. Help me. Thank you. Go Pack Go. This I find fascinating, and it is based so much on perception. Yes, Aaron Rodgers was perceived as the potential number one pick. Now, that is not because Aaron Rodgers was perceived as some generational quarterback prospect. He was seen as either the best or second best prospect in the class. By the way, the rest of the league clearly disagreed, or at least the 49ers disagreed, 
And no one else thought he was the kind of guy who was so talented he couldn't not be drafted. And when you look at the players, at least in recent vintage, who have been like that, it's not a great track record of guys. Johnny Manziel, Brady Quinn, some of these guys who who fall, fall for a reason. Does that inspire a lot of confidence in the Jordan Love pick? No. But I think we focus too much on, oh, Aaron Rodgers was was rumored as the number one pick. A lot of people thought he was the number one quarterback. Well, almost everyone agrees Jordan Love was the most physically gifted quarterback in this draft. And he was behind Joe Burrow, a guy that is being considered by some at least a generational talent. Someone who just came off the best college football season by a quarterback in the history of college football. And Tua is not far behind him. So the fact that a team took Justin Herbert over Jordan Love, okay, that is potentially concerning. Although, guys like Todd McShay, you know, Todd McShay bet Mel Kuyper five grand Jordan Love would go ahead of Justin Herbert. Coming out of the combine, Jordan Love was seen as a top 10 pick. And I want to I want to put it this way. If Jordan Love comes out in 2018 off the season he had, I bet he doesn't make it to the Packers pick at 12. A 20-year-old coming off the season that he just had with the kind of physical gifts that he has, the traits that he has, he's he was a better prospect than Daniel Jones, no question. He was a better prospect than Josh Allen, no question. Those guys went top 10. Now, Josh Allen turns out isn't that good. But he went in the top 10, and people mostly mostly just shrugged. Yeah, big arm, big white guy. That guy goes in the top 10. Christian Ponder, Jake Locker. I think we worry too much about what perception was from the media. Oh, well, Jordan Love was not considered to be the number one quarterback in this class. Well, Aaron Rodgers was not in the same class with Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa. I mean, Alex Smith got picked over him from Utah. And this was like old Utah, not even now Utah, where Utah is like perennially one of the best teams in the Pac-12. We're talking about Urban Meyer, like plucky upstart Pacific time team. I think we overvalue that. Jordan Love was the most talented, physically gifted quarterback in this draft. Most physically gifted quarterback in this draft. The flaws that he has, the flaws that I've talked about, those flaws are fixable, theoretically. Is it going to take time? Is it going to take a lot of coaching? Yeah, it is. And, you know, I don't I don't know if the Packers can do it. I don't know if he's going to do it. But this is this is the, the idea of, oh, he, he was almost the number one pick. He was being talked about as the number one pick. Well, he didn't go with the number one pick. In fact, he fell to almost an identical scenario, fell to almost the exact same position where the Packers drafted Jordan Love. I just don't think it makes any sense to say, oh, well, he was seen as X. No, not by the NFL. He wasn't. Very clearly, they voted with their draft picks. The NFL valued Aaron Rodgers in precisely the place the NFL valued Jordan Love, and they proved it. We know it because they proved it. All right. Hey, Peter, man. Lawrence in Las Colinas. I don't hate the Love pick like everyone else. I think a lot of good things can come from it in the coming years. I'm a little confused about the trade-up, though. Unless there is some inside info that a team would be moving up, we jumped in front of Seattle, Baltimore, Tennessee, and Miami. All teams that had no question marks at QB. Wouldn't it make more sense to hold at 30 and take love and then use that fourth to get a better day two pick? All right, a couple things here. Number one, they were not going to be able to move up very far in the second round with the ammunition that they had. 
even their second plus their third plus their fourth only gets them into the high 40s. So it doesn't get you to Michael Pittman, doesn't get you to LaVisca Chenault. It gets you to Chase Claypool. And it gets you to Denzel Mims, theoretically. But Green Bay could have got Denzel Mims. If Green Bay thought Denzel Mims was the dude, if Green Bay was as high on Denzel Mims as the pre-draft reporting said they were, they could have gone up to get Denzel Mims. They didn't think he was worth it. So they didn't move up to get him. Now this question about the trade-up in the first round Okay, no, Seattle, Baltimore, Tennessee, Miami, probably not going to take Jordan Love. But Minnesota was probably not going to take a second receiver. Guess what happened? San Francisco moved up and got one. That is the thing they were, they were trying to guard against. You don't know who is talking to who. You don't know who could be willing to trade up. We knew that the Colts liked Jordan Love. There were a number of teams that liked Jordan Love. The Saints are a team that trades up all the time. The the Patriots had traded back. Could they have traded back up for Jordan Love? The Steelers could have traded into the first round to get Jordan Love. There were plenty of teams that had a need at quarterback. And with a talented player like Love, the Packers felt like a fourth is worth it to go and make sure they get their guy. The fourth doesn't move the needle that much. I, the trade-up part is is silly to me. It's a concern troll. You don't like the pick, even at 30. And so the question is going to be, well, why did they trade up? Why did they give up assets? Well, because if they're right about Jordan Love, then he's worth the, the 26th pick and your fourth-round pick. I mean, that's the reality. And the Packers think he's worth it. All right, let's finish up with a couple more questions here. Hello, Peter. I'm confused. Why Green Bay didn't go all in and make a push to win baffles me. I like the offensive line additions, but that's about it. It's a shame the way Green Bay front office has dumped all over Rodgers. This is Marino-level bad. Rodgers is a proven commodity. Why not maximize it? I commend New England up until this year and New Orleans for trying to win each year. This is going to be a rough year, full rebuild mode. Chris. Chris, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Full rebuild mode? What are you talking about? This this team went 13-3 and three last year. Yeah, they're going to have a harder schedule this year. They're, they just suck now? They just are terrible? They're garbage? Write them off? 6-10? and 10, It's over? I mean, <laughs> I, I don't understand this. I, I don't understand the fan cynicism with this. Why? Why are they in rebuild mode? They were just apparently... According to Chris, they didn't go all in. Okay. They, they take a, a receiver in the first round. All right. They're all in. Then what? Now they're a 13-3 and three team again? Because if they were a first-round draft pick away from being a 13-3 and three team, then they're probably like a 12-4 and four team. Or a, at, at worst, an 11-5 and five team. So they're a good team, not a rebuild team. It, it, it just boggles my mind that the idea is now, oh, the Packers don't care about winning in 2020 or 2021 because they took Jordan Love. Nonsense. Nonsense. You don't agree with the pick. That doesn't mean that they don't want to win. Obviously, they want to win. And what we have to understand is they decided they wanted to win differently than we thought they would want to, differently than the way that maybe we thought they should. Matt LaFleur is genuine in earnest when he says running the ball is a quarterback's best friend. So he drafted a running back and he drafted a tight end 
who can block. By the way, Brian Gutekinst told Larry McCarron that DeGuara is not a fullback. He is a receiver and a move blocker. That's a tight end. So he's going to be more that H-back, tight end type. Not a fullback, not Danny Vitale. Going to be closer to Mercedes Lewis, a blocker who can catch passes and is a more capable receiver at this point in his career than Mercedes Lewis. That was Matt LaFleur's way of saying, this is going to make our offense better because we're going to get better at the thing that is core to our philosophy and our identity. They think Dylan and DeGuara can help them this year, can make their offense better this year. This idea that they didn't go all in because they took a quarterback is just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Is it what I would have done? No, because I didn't think Jordan Love was a guy that you pass on the opportunity to get someone like Michael Pittman Jr. I just, that was how I felt. But that doesn't mean that the pick is somehow a promise that they don't care about winning or that they're they're rebuilding now. No, that's, it's it's absurd. It's absurd. And by the way, offensive line additions help Aaron Rodgers too, Right? I mean, if you have a good offensive line, you give Rodgers time to do the things that Rodgers does and the things that, by the way, Rodgers needs time to do because when Rodgers plays off platform, that's when he's bad at his best. So this idea, oh, well, they didn't get him receivers, so they didn't get him any help. That's not how football works. Running backs help a quarterback. I mean, no one complained when the Saints drafted Alvin Kamara and signed Mark Ingram and became a little bit more of a run-heavy team than asking Drew Brees to drop back 600 times a season. No one complained when the Patriots, in in desperate need of skill position players, in the first round drafted an offensive lineman and a running back. And a running back, by the way, who really can't play. Sonny Michel is not good. And Isaiah Wynn hasn't played because he's been hurt. The, the Saints just drafted a center in the first round. Are they not trying to win? Is the first round the only round of the draft? Is the only thing that can help a quarterback a receiver? I mean, I think we have such a narrow focus of what we expect not just the Packers to be, but any team to be, that we can't look beyond, oh, this is the perception of how it has to be, and so if you don't follow this, you're not trying to win. It's not true. Again, it's not what I would have done. It's not what I would have done. But I don't think it says they're not all in on winning this year. I think that is nonsense. All right, we're going to finish up on this. Hey, Peter, what's happening? Tim from Austin, the Green Bay faithful are going to give me whiplash. Six months ago, they were saying that Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekind should be coach and GM of the year, and rightly so. Now they're convinced that these two have zero idea what this team needs to win and win now. You can't sleep on the QB position, and you have to trust the process. Thanks. No, thank you, Tim. It is interesting that a month ago, my Packer, my, my timeline on Twitter and the, the hotline and talk radio was in Goody we trust. And Matt LaFleur is a great coach and he's going to figure it out and they're going to do. And it's because you assumed he would do the thing you wanted him to do. And you assume that they viewed the team the way that you did. And frankly, I thought they viewed the team a little bit more progressively than they do. Now, all that being said, Brian Gutekinst handled the draft in year one really well. Jair Alexander, you get an extra first-round pick. That guy turns into Darnell Savage. And I I really like the developmental receivers that they got on day three. We're going to see this year if Josh Jackson and Oren Burks can play. But to get in that draft class, you basically get Jair Alexander or Darnell Savage. That's basically what your draft class is, plus some lottery tickets on EQ and MVS. Guys who have shown some things. I think EQ can take a step forward this year, and, and MVS is still not someone I'm going to write off. 
All right. Now 2019. You get your project pick in Rashawn Gary, someone who I think is going to take a big step forward. You get a future star in Darnell Savage. You get a borderline Pro Bowl guard in Elton Jenkins. Jay Sternberger is someone I still really, really have a lot of belief in. And then, you know, you go out and and in like an undrafted free agency, you get Curtis Bolton, someone who had a chance to start for you with some injuries before the year, someone they like a lot in Green Bay. And they go out and they sign Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and Adrian Amos and Billy Turner. And they hire a coach who foundationally and indelibly changes the culture in Green Bay. And now it's they should be drawn and quartered in the Brown County arena. I mean, explain to me how this makes sense. I know that this is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league, but come on, guys. Come on. It doesn't have to be this way. It really, really doesn't. The Packers have for years believed that the draft is a long-term play because longtime listeners of this show will know I firmly believe rookies are bad. And if you, go to, if you go into a draft believing you need to take someone to help you right away, that's how you get into problems. And Brian Gutekind said it. You get into trouble believing you're one pick away. Just because they didn't take that one guy doesn't mean they suddenly don't care or don't know about winning. You know, Brady Quinn on Fox Sports Radio said that Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekind had not created enough equity in the organization to make a call like this. First of all, that's nonsense. Second of all, I think just the opposite. They came in and revamped the organization from top to bottom, culturally, from a personnel standpoint, and and philosophically. This is exactly the situation where you want those two guys saying, this is the vision for the team. So far, it has been nothing but positive, and so this is the vision moving forward. Is it too much power? We're going to see. Is it it too much faith? We're going to see. But don't have faith in what they were going to do before the draft, and now say, nah, they should be fired. That's just, it's ridiculous. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow. A lot more to get to, and I'm working on getting some interviews done so that we can have some interesting conversations about the draft. I want to talk about more than just Jordan Love. I absolutely promise you. A lot of fans asking about Reggie Bagleton, about A.J. Dillon, about some of these these day three offensive linemen, and, and guys that are still out there, guys that they could go sign. Interesting that the compensatory pick period is over now so anyone green bay signs from this point forward will not count on the comp pick formula so they could go out and sign snacks harrison they could go out and sign other free agents snacks was was cut so it's different but they can go out and and sign players to real contracts free agents and have it not count against their comp pick formula that could be something that green bay considers and and there could be guys cut now there could be guys cut in camp Bill Barnwell for ESPN mentioned Kenny Stills from Houston. Love that. Uh, Dante Pettis in San Francisco. Like that. Less. I was never a huge Dante Pettis guy, but he has experience in the system and a different kind of skill set. So could be a name worth taking a flyer on. Remember, you can subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. You want to follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe. I said all that already. And anytime you want to be a part of a show like this one, you can do that. Hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers.